Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Fools on Stools podcast. As always, my name is Kevin Walker and I'm joined by my co-star Cullen Brown and Waller friend Anthony Council is on IR. We have our baseball man, aka Mr. Wikipedia, Tyler Luker. Tyler, thank you for coming on to the show today. Um, but boys, today we're going to be talking about the NFL, some college football, uh, the, some predictions that we got, uh, an update on MLB and the playoff race as we edge closer and closer to October. Another edition of of Luker's Lock, hopefully that can be a success. Max Verstappen wins again, no surprise, and a look ahead to Monza. Uh, and topping it off with an emotional Sue Bird send-off, but a look ahead to the WNBA playoffs slash finals. Boys, how are we feeling today? Feeling pretty good, man. Yeah, like you said, you touched on it. Anthony is not joining us today. He is on the COVID protocol list. Um, Anthony, if you're out there listening, man, we appreciate you. We hope you get better soon. And we'd love to have you back in the studio, man. Yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> Anthony, you're irreplaceable, but hopefully I can fill the shoes at least to some extent. Uh, but I'm glad to be here today. Yeah, it's not definitely, you're definitely, I wouldn't say it's a downgrade, that's for sure. I mean, I think everybody brings yeah. their own equal that's what I'm difference. Saying. So it's not a downgrade. Because, I, mean, I mean, Tyler's going to bring his stuff. Yeah, Tyler's going to bring his stuff. Yeah. He's going to bring us his, his knowledge on baseball. Yeah. Well, and that's a lot that we don't have. And then Anthony, if he's here, he's going to bring his his yeah. charisma, his characteristic of just yeah. loud it, and yeah. UNT pride. Yeah, it's just up Morehouse to Tyler pride. about. It's just going to be up to Tyler about how much of an impact he's going to make today. So yeah. I'm interested to see. You're on the hot seat. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> Without any further ado, though, let's talk about. It's. I mean, it's back. It's back. We're less than one day away. The NFL season is here after long, long, long waits of talking about a bunch of stuff that we pretended mattered that doesn't matter at all. Contracts, holdouts, hold-ins, trades, you name it. It's finally here. The real deal. Football. Clashing. It's here. I'm Football so is back. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Sunday it, relaxation. It feels so good to say that. Uh, the NFL season does kick off. Tomorrow night with the Buffalo Bills taking on the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. First game of many this season, and I cannot be more excited. I know my two co-stars are very ready for this as well. We're going to get into all the storylines, maybe even make a couple little cheeky predictions and get into everything that the season has to offer. For you know either one of you to answer, what is the biggest storyline this season that you are most excited to see play out in your opinion? Personally, I think the most exciting slash tempting storyline to talk about is the Buffalo Bills. I'm not going to jump. On, I, don't, I mean, I hate to jump on the hype train. Um, I think if you looked on Good Morning Football, I think literally everybody who picked the AFC Super Bowl match picked the Buffalo Bills. Um, and I know Josh Allen is on a potential MVP watch. But I am I'm, I'm just excited to see how they're going to play. We've seen Josh Allen get better every single year, no matter what. Um, we saw him go to literally toe-to-toe with Kansas City Chiefs last year in an unbelievable game. I'm just excited to see if Buffalo can actually finally win their first Super Bowl and what that road is going to look like for them. What about you, Tyler? Uh, for me, I mean, other than the Bills, I mean, Bills-Rams, we're looking at a potential Super Bowl matchup. Yeah. But for me, the biggest storyline of the season is this Brady's send-off year. Oh, the man is 45 like years old. He's got a beautiful offense, beautiful defense. Um, 
can they put it all together and ride them off into the sunset like Peyton Manning did with the Broncos? Who knows? Um, but they're gearing up for a great year. Uh, just, I'm very excited for this season to see what Tom Brady's potential send-off can be. Yeah, no, that's uh, those are two really good storylines. Um, I mean, obviously, Tom Brady and Josh Allen, two of the best quarterbacks in the game. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, to me, personally, it's going to be um, how each of the Super Bowl participants for uh, fair this year. You know, obviously the Los Angeles Rams did come away with the Super Bowl win over the Cincinnati Bengals uh, this past season, Cooper Cup winning Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Sean McVay arguably now has the crown of the best offensive mind and may be the best coach, dare I say, in football right now. Um, him having, you know, having the benefit of having the best defensive player in the game, Aaron Donald, the best corner, Jalen Ramsey, those guys all return. Matthew Stafford, after winning his first, you know, playoff game, Super Bowl, all of that. Uh, in his first year with the L.A. Rams, it'll be very interesting to see how this team responds after winning the Super Bowl. If they're still got that hunger, that fight, that will to want to win. And then, of course, on the other side, the Bengals, Joe Burr, Joe Burrow, uh, coming from last place to super shocking everybody and leading that Cincinnati Bengals team with that porous offensive line all the way to the Super Bowl and arguably about a throw away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh, they did reload on the offensive line in the offseason. They did, I think they had a really good draft, in my opinion, maybe not one of the more high-key ones, but definitely filled a lot of needs. And, of course, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase was one of the connections that NFL fans fell in love with if you weren't a, you know, Ravens, <laughs> Steelers, or Browns fan for sure. But, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see because Super Bowl losers, you know, there's always that stigma. You know, how do they respond after a tough loss like that? Those are going to be two teams that I'm going to be really looking for uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, I agree with that. I think all of us have brought up pretty good storylines, but I think I think Tyler's uh, Tyler's you know storyline on on Tom Brady is really interesting because we don't know, we never have known a whole lot of what's going inside going on inside the mind of the great Tom Brady. Um, we didn't know a lot until his documentary uh, "Man in the Arena" came out. Um, there's been a lot of speculation. He missed some time during, um, you know, practice. Some people are mad about it. Some people are like, hey, he's Tom freaking Brady. He can kind of, you know, come and go as he pleases. So, depend, you know, whatever, however you feel about the situation, it's going to be interesting to see how the Buccaneers do this year, and especially under uh, new head coach Todd Bowles. Um, I mean, I think, I think that's going to be an interesting because – um, they're not in the AFC. They're in a very, I mean, a lot of people talk about the AFC and how stacked it is, which very. it is. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not, but mm -hmm. the NFC, the NFC has its fair counterparts as well. Um, and I definitely think depending on how the Buccaneers do will depend on if they're in that upper echelon of the NFC. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if Tom Brady has a, what we would call average year, if he stays or, if, you know, he goes out on top. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to assume if he wins the Super Bowl this year, he'd have to, I mean, he'd have to retire. But I mean, we thought that last year. Yeah, too. we just don't think the same as Tom Brady. <laughs> and the year so, before yeah. that, and the year before that. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Pat McAfee talked about it on his show yesterday. Thirteen years ago, Tom Brady could have, or apologize, ten, ten years ago or so. Whenever he was in his 13th season in the league, he had four Super Bowls. He could have retired right then and there and been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So it's like he can kind of just go on as long as he wants. Yeah, um, I agree. It's going to be very interesting to see all these teams. But I think Joey Burrow, Joe Burr, however you refer to him <laughs> as, um, I, I don't pray that the Dan Marino effect falls on any quarterback, especially not him. With, this, with last year only being his second year, there's so much upside to not only Joe Burrow, but 
the Bengals in general. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking to your point, Dan Marino reached one Super Bowl in his entire career. Do you know what season it was? I don't. It was his second season. It was his second season. It was okay. So listen, it's I don't. I, you just <laughs> I'm knocking on wood for Joe Burrow because yeah. I mean the more we get to see of Joe Burrow, it's it's better for the NFL audience for sure. And Tyler, I agree. You made up a really good point. I mean Tom Brady, you, it's it's must see TV every time that man's on TV. And regardless of you know whether he completes beyond this or whether he's you know on Fox breaking down the game, I mean Tom Brady's going to be a part of our NFL Sundays for the long foreseeable future. It just depends on if that's going to be in a uniform or not. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, but without any further ado, let's uh let's get into a little bit of a season preview. We did talk about the uh the the Buccaneers. They do start the season playing the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. God rest my soul. Um, <laughs> last year the Cowboys competed pretty well against the Buccaneers, um, and that was very bad for all Cowboys fans because I gave a lot of false hope. Um. I don't know what I predict for this year, um, boys. What are y- what are y'all's other than the Rams <coughs> and Bills matchup tomorrow night? What are y'all's kind of predictions or highlight game, if you will? Well, so I'm saving my predictions for tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, right. So I mean, like highlight game, like oh, this is the game that I'm really interested yeah. in. So uh, in terms of this weekend, definitely that first one. I mean, the kickoff game is always one of the better games on the NFL calendar. They do that for an obvious reason, is to try to you know bring you back in. Um, but we've already touched on the Rams and uh, excuse me, the Rams and the uh, Bills for that first game. Uh, to me, it's going to be very much seeing uh, how some of these new quarterbacks, uh, new situations, how they look. I mean, obviously little biased here, but Russell Wilson coming home to Seattle on Monday night. I mean, that one's going to be it's to say that I won't be a little emotional during that game will be an understatement. Um, yeah, it's going to be definitely from the first Monday night game of the year. I mean, that's that's something that's going to get me, you know, right in front, uh, ready to watch the television game this year. Um, and I, I can't wait to see that one. I mean, of course, obviously, uh, Tua Tunga Vailoa. I'm interested with all those weapons now. He has no more excuses. Him and Mike McDaniel uh, now leading that offensive-led charge Miami Dolphins team. That's going to be very interesting this year. And of course, you know, Trey Lance taking over for the incumbent Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in San Francisco. I believe they take on the Chicago Bears this Sunday against another young stud in Justin Fields. It, it's we've got a lot of great quarterback play this weekend, but it's you know it's nice to also give guys in new places uh, some nice new shine um, and see how they perform in their new situations. So I think uh, this weekend's going to be a lot for kind of the narrative aspect because of course you have uh, Russell Wilson coming back to Seattle on Monday, but you also have the Browns traveling to Carolina to play Baker Mayfield's oh, Panthers. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you have. Uh, the Chiefs traveling to Arizona where Patrick Mahomes is going to take on his college coach in Cliff Kingsbury. And um, I think my most exciting matchup is the rematch of the final game of the regular season between the Raiders and Chargers Ooh, where it yeah. all went bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those two teams, which are looking to be pretty good this year, they're going to face off once again, and I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I agree with you. One of the games I did have highlighted was that Raiders Chargers game that I don't think a lot of whole a whole lot of people are talking about. I think that's just because a lot of people are really just focused on Thursday night for right now. Um, but yeah, that Raiders Chargers game is going to be electric. If I had to guess, um, I think the Chiefs Cardinals game is going to be really good. Oh yeah, I think that's going to be a really good game. Um, There's nothing more dangerous than September Kyler Murray. Let me tell you. 
It's, well, make, it's make or break for him in Kingsbury this year, I think. That's and I agree more with so that. for that's, Cliff, but yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I, that's very true, but at the same time, I think a lot of, there's a lot of question marks around this Chiefs team, um, and th- we're talking about not the same Chiefs team, but mostly the same Chiefs team that every headline has ever read. Chiefs team number one, you know, they've always been predicted to be that top echelon team. And I think they have a lot of question marks around them as far as media goes. And I think that they're going to look to silence that. Uh, but it's also going to be really interesting to see how the Cardinals are going to, how they're going to go about their business with Kyler Murray officially under contract. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be back th- at that time. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. I definitely have that one as one of my highlighted games. It's going to be it's going to be tough to decide on what I'm going to want to watch around 3.30 uh, come Sunday. <laughs> Definitely say for sure. I mean, I got I bought the NFL Sunday ticket package for the student this year, so I'm, I'm set. I got all the games. I'm ready to go. Might have uh, to look into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good investment for sure. But, you know, transitioning here because we are going to be breaking down each of the games week by week, and I, I think we did a pretty good preview of going through week one and the matchups we really wanted to see. This is the beginning of the season, so we know uh, the Fool's got to break it down. Uh, you know, some predictions for the season long, you know, just something to keep your eye on, just kind of see where everyone's head's at. Like I said, I will be releasing mine tomorrow on social media. Make sure you go follow us on the Twitter page, at Fools on Stools. Maybe going to try to get on Instagram as well. I'll be releasing it on my personal Twitter. Um, so make sure you follow us on social media. Get in on the conversation. I'm going to keep saying it every week. Get in on the conversation. We'd love to hear back from you guys and your thoughts, everything. But without any further ado, I'm going to basically just kind of pin it over to you guys. I'm going to bring up a couple of regular season awards. And then at the end, I'm going to ask for AFC, NFC Championship games, Super Bowl matchup, and then Super Bowl winner. And yeah, we'll kind of wrap up the NFL segment that way. Sounds good to y'all? Yep. All right. First thing first, first things first, excuse me. We'll go Defensive Player of the Year. Who do you think, if anybody, is going to win Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL this season? I think it's between a few different guys. I think I think TJ Watt is definitely up there. Um, Aaron Donald is always in that conversation. Um, and call me biased, I'm going to throw Michael Parsons in there just because, you know, um, he, he came out saying last year I was trying to figure out who I wanted to be, and I've decided that I want to be the best player in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, I think I'm going to throw him in that race. Who wins it? That's, a, that's such a toss-up. Those are three really good defensive players. Um, that's like, you know, picking hairs at that point. But I think out of the three, I'm probably going to say I'd like to think that Michael Parsons is going to win. Um, he's going to win defensive player of the year. Okay. Tyler? Well, I got probably the same three. I mean, those guys were far and away the best three defensive players last year. Um, but I think coming off a historic season – I think T.J. Watt's going to take it again because Micah Parsons is going into his sophomore season. Yeah, he's figured out who he wants to be, but some defenses or some offenses might have figured him out. We don't know yet. Good point. It's a good point. Um, but we'll we'll hope to see it. Hopefully, he doesn't have a sophomore slump. But you never know in the NFL. By the way, T.J. Watt's season last year was without him playing the full season. So yeah, if he were crazy. to have a record-breaking season this year, could be in for a monster campaign. That'd be crazy. Moving on now, we got to go to the offensive side of the ball for Offensive Player of the Year. This time we'll start with Tyler. Tyler, why don't you lead us into this one? Um, well, you know, I think I think I'm going to pick a quarterback this year. Okay. Um, safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think I'm going to go with Josh Allen because okay. I mean, he's I think he's going to get some MVP play, but 
his receiving targets this year, I mean, he's going to be looking to Stephon Diggs a lot. Um, and that Bills team is very talented. I think he's going to lead the NFL in touchdowns. He's got a huge cannon arm. Um, so I think I'm going to take him for the offensive player of the year. All right, Kevin. So for my offensive player of the year, um, I think I'm also going to go quarterback. Um, yeah, big surprise. I only say that because um, I have a little bit of a different a different choice uh, for MVP. So for my offensive player of the year, I'm probably going to go with it's tough, man. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen is so good. I think, I think if Justin Herbert can really come out and have that increase of talent, mm-hmm. everyone around the Chargers facility has said he's come in every single day of offseason, working every day, getting better. That Chargers defense has gotten better. That Chargers team as a whole is just a lot better and well-rounded. Um I think Justin Herbert has a really good chance of winning Offensive Player of the Year. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, moving on now, we're going to go Coach of the Year. Um, so breaking down who do you think might be have the best edge on the sideline for his or uh, team, respectively. Kevin, we'll start with you. Coach of the Year. Now that's, you know, Coach of the Year is interesting because coaches sometimes get it because they are just been there forever and win. I don't know how many... Coaches of the year, <laughs> right. Bill Belichick has won. Um, I think who could win coach of the year is a coach that goes to a program, really turns it around and gets gets his team somewhere. I think I think Josh McDaniels could win coach of the year for the Raiders. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh Tyler, want to give your thoughts on this? Well, jumping to the NFC, I think the Eagles coach, Nick Sirianni, um, the Eagles look really good this year. Uh, it is preseason, so we don't know how they're actually going to translate. But they're going to be my—he's going to be my pick for coach of the year because even though that team is loaded, they kind of un- underperformed in the past, and I think he can unlock Jalen Hurts, and they have a good shot at winning the NFC East. Okay, I fair, agree with that. Fair enough. You guys are picking two—I wouldn't say even the highest betting ones. So I respect y'all's opinion. By the way, to answer your question, Kevin is three-time coach of the year, Bill Belichick, and that's crazy, honestly. Yeah, he, like. If you were to go back and look at, I mean, I'm not trying to jump too far off the off the off the topic, but if you were to look at historically how long Bill Belichick has been a coach and how many successful seasons he has had, to only win defense or to only win Coach of the Year three times is kind of yeah, kind of insane. It's insane. Well, it's a little bit of media fatigue too. You get tired of the oh, same yeah. guys being in every year, and you just want to spice things up. Yeah, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. You know, it is what it is. All right. We're going to do rookie of the year. Now, we're not going to do you can pick offense or defense this year, so I don't I'm not going to try to limit y'all in y'all's pick for this award, but we're going to go Tyler to start this one. Um Tyler, I know there's a, been a lot of different rookies. I mean, obviously Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback drafted in the first round this past season. Uh you could go Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker. There's a lot of different options you can choose. Which one are you going with? Well, uh that the Jacksonville Jaguar, Jaguars defense looks phenomenal. Uh, and I think Trayvon Walker's going to have a breakout season and kind of lead their way. I mean, he's the first overall pick, so I think he's got a pretty good shot. Okay, fair enough. Kevin? Um, for my offensive rookie of the year, um, personally, I think... I think... Um, I think Sky Moore has a really good chance. Okay, you're going with the Kansas City man. Well, I said I think he has a really good chance. Oh, but who I think wins it 
I think um I think George Pickens could really I think George Pickens wins it. Okay. Because okay. if he can earn himself wide receiver one spot on that Pittsburgh on that Pittsburgh offense, I think he could do I think he could get it. Um for defense, I think I mean, I mean, it, it could be just recency bias with just seeing Aiden Hutchinson playing, mm-hmm. um, playing on Hard Knocks and everything, and seeing seeing him go up against uh, against against that Detroit Lions offense uh, offensive line. Mm. I think I think Aiden Hutchinson can win it. I think he just was really dominant in college, and I think he can bring that same intensity to the NFL. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. We got. Now the final award, probably arguably the biggest award for the NFL season, then we'll move on to the final team predictions to close off this topic, the MVP award. Kevin, we'll start with you. So I said earlier that I'm not going to pick a quarterback. Um, I'm going to pick... So so last year, Jonathan Taylor was really close to winning MVP. It, it was probably going to be the first running back to win an MVP in a, in, in a while. I don't know the I exact think s- number. Since Adrian Peterson, I believe. Yeah, and I mean, that's a while. I think, barring any injury, Derrick Henry, there's no reason he shouldn't he couldn't win MVP. Okay. I mean, we are predicting this as if every player is going to be healthy. We know yes. that's not realistic. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because yeah. you think about it, he got injured last week, or last week, last year, and he still led the NFL in rushing yards by, like, was it week five, week six? Yeah. Something oh, it well, I mean, insane. So, well, so he got hurt first half of the year, and I think he was still, like, top five through, like, week 12, I think, yeah. or something, like, something ridiculous. So that's definitely a very good case for the MVP award. Tyler? Um, well, I mean, Derrick Henry's got a lot of miles on those legs. So okay. I, don't, I don't know about that pick. But, you know, another person who's got a lot of miles on their leg, I think uh, the MVP award more than anything, is narrative-driven in all of sports. And going back to Tom Brady, he he was, what, second, third um, last season? For the, for the MVP? Yeah, he was in, yeah the he, running, was he was in the running the whole year mm-hmm. at age 44. I think if he goes out and has another season like he did last year at age 45 and potentially being his send-off, because he did semi-retire for a bit and then come back, so the writing's definitely on the wall there. I think if he performs at that level again, they're going to give it to him um, because he's the best NFL player to ever walk this earth. Um, And I think if he goes out and has a season at that age and has a great team this year, he's got a good shot. Okay, fair enough. Very interesting picks from the boys for the regular season awards. Now, to round out this topic for the NFL, I'm going to have you guys pick your AFC championship two teams, your NFC championship two teams, your Super Bowl matchup, and then, obviously, your Super Bowl winner. Uh, we'll start with Kevin this time so we can end on our guest, Tyler Luker. Yep. Kevin, why don't you break it down for us? So, for the AFC, I am going to have to say the Bills. Um, but along with the Bills, I'm going to go with... Um, so, the Bills will be defeating who is who you're saying. But you said to pick your two okay. AFC and two NFC, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, the way you were making it sound, I thought you were picking the Bills to. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, I wasn't picking my Super Bowl prediction. Uh, yeah, I was trying to. Uh, okay, so you got the Bills in on one side, and then who do you got as the other team? I mean, there's so many teams in the AFC. I'm trying to think of who is the most stacked. So I'm probably gonna say, I think, I think the Broncos could be some. could be something. Okay. But I think, 
I think the the more and more that I look at this Raiders team, I know everyone keeps trashing me on my Raiders take, but I think the Raiders, I, I'm going to say the Raiders. I'll say the Raiders and the Bills for the AFC. Um, and then for the NFC, I'm going to say... It's tough. Kevin loves to stall whenever it comes to predictions on this stuff. I try to really think them through. Um, I'm going to say Rams. I mean, just because, I mean, look at that team. And then... I'll say I'll say the Bucks. I think that I think the Bucks could get back to that point. Everyone's saying that uh, Julio Jones is back to who he used to be, and if that is so, along with Mike Evans and uh, and that receiving core, yeah, that's gonna be a scary offense. Okay, and then your Super Bowl matchup. My Super Bowl matchup is gonna be Tampa Bay and the Bills. Tempe and the Bills, and then your Super Bowl winner. I'm gonna say the Bills. Okay, so I'm assuming Josh Allen will be your MVP. Uh, yeah, it have to MVP. be. It have to be that way. Yeah. Okay, we've got it confirmed for Mr. Kevin Walker. Tyler, if you want to take the reins here, it's do your AFC NFC Championship, your Super Bowl matchup, and Super Bowl winner. So my predictions are actually very close to Kevin's. Uh, for the AFC, I have the Bills and the Chargers, uh, and the NFC uh, rematch of last year, the Rams and the Bucks. Um. I think the Bills are going to take that over the Chargers. They've been there before, and I think they'll finally get over the hump and get back to the Super Bowl. Um, and I think the Bucks are going to rebound this year and beat the Rams because last year it was so close, the way that they lost. Um, but where I differentiate from Kevin is I think the Bucks are going to beat the Bills because I'm, I'm going all in on Tom Brady this year. If Godwin can get healthy with Mike Evans, and you said Julio Jones, they say he's returning back to form, that receiving core is lethal. Um, and I think the Bills taking on Tom Brady, we've seen this movie before. Um, if they beat, if they beat the Tom Brady led Buccaneers, it would go down in history as one of the biggest stories ever after losing year after year to him to finally beat him. But I don't think they can. I think I'm going to go all in on the Bucks, all in on Tom Brady. He's going to get sent off with an MVP, Super Bowl MVP and a Super Bowl. All right. And there we have it from our... Fill in fool, Tyler Luker today. Uh, he is picking the Bucks over the Bills. Kevin, the flipped Bills over Bucks. Uh, I'm assuming Brady would be your MVP, as you mentioned. Yes. So Brady MVP for Luker, uh, Super Bowl MVP that is, and then Super Bowl MVP for Kevin Walker, uh, being Josh Allen. That is going to wrap it up for the NFL. We're going to switch gears a little bit, stay on the football field, but this time it's gonna we're gonna take it to the collegiate level with some definite news that. Kevin Walker, I think, wants to break down. Yeah, we can just touch on it real quick. Um, we're going to talk about the new um, expansion that's going to be coming in 2026 for the college football playoffs. Um, if you want to hear more about um, more about it or the opinions of others, go ahead and tune into the Green Guys podcast um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on KNTU.com. Um, the guys over there, we, uh, we all talked about it, so... But Cullen, you seem to know just an, ex an a lot of, about this and how it's all going to be worked mm. out. So go ahead and break it down for us. Okay. So basically in 2026, as Kevin mentioned, there is going to be a new format for the college football playoff. It's going to start now being expanded from the four-team playoff that we know um, that is existing today that is going to expand to a 12-team playoff. Now you're wondering how is that going to possibly work? Well... There is now going to be four teams that receive a first-round bye in this college football playoff. 
um, in 2026. The, I mean, it'll still be determined by the AP poll and the coaches poll and the same voters that, uh, you know, determine the playoff polls now. Those teams will get the the first uh, four by, first round by, excuse me. And then also it is a matter of who makes it in. It's going to be these top six conference winners make the college football playoff. So however they determine that, whether it's, you know, everybody from the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, the SEC, the ACC, and then maybe uh, a smaller conference also gets elevated as a champion. And then it's six at-large bids. So, you know, potentially if like in the SEC, for example, if Alabama wins their conference, Georgia, if they come in second and only have one loss, they have a good shot of making the playoff as well as an at-large bid. Um, Now, with that being said, uh, there is, we have talked about on the show previously in previous episodes that there are some teams moving conferences kevin's beloved texas longhorns along with the oklahoma sooners are moving over to the sec the usc trojans and the ucla bruins are moving from the pac-12 over to the big 10 so by the time we get to 2026 and this is a point i made on the green guys podcast the conferences could be looking very different comparatively to what they look now very um so it's not necessarily i mean i know people are saying oh well this is power five and then one want to be you know lower level division uh, f- or lower five uh, conference winning it, there may not be a power five in 2026 because we'll see what's left of the big uh, Big 12 and the Pac-12 if they're going to potentially merge together and maybe try to form like a little super conference of their own. You know, maybe other teams such as like Oregon and Washington, I know have been rumored to be on the move. Uh, maybe teams in the ACC will be on the look uh, to move as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see. What are your initial thoughts after hearing this college football playoff news? I think it's really exciting to finally get another team kind of elevated to that P5 level, I guess, if you if you will. Because mm-hmm. um, all that we've all ever talked about is P5, 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 P5 schools. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're going to basically have a P6 where we have another, another conference that's probably not going to be as good as you know, some of the teams in the top five, but is going to have the chance to compete um, and get that spotlight and that revenue. Um, and for schools like, for I mean, we go to UNT. For schools like UNT, not saying that, you know, I don't even know what the possibility of is falling, finding us in that situation, but for schools like that that don't have as much funding as an Alabama, a Georgia, mm-hmm. a Texas, or whatever, it gives them more spotlight, more ESPN, more yeah. more access and more uh, TV time and everything like that. I think it's really good. Yeah, Tyler, what are your thoughts? Well, and everybody loves when March comes around and we have March Madness. Uh, it's some of the best time for year for collegiate athletics because there's so many upsets and stuff. Whenever you expand football, which gets even more viewership than basketball, and make it into that sort of thing, the upsets are going to be exciting. Everything's going to be a lot more fun to watch and more accessible, like Kevin was saying, um, especially with more conferences, getting that spotlight. But I think it's expanding it in general is just going to do nothing but good for the game. Yeah, I'm a big, to kind of put more emphasis on your point, I'm a big fan of games that matter, mm-hmm. you know, and these make more bowl games matter. Um, I understand, like, the, for a morale, like a team like such as UNT, you know, we fought and clawed our way to, be, you know, be able to qualify for a bowl game to say that, you know, we were bowl eligible and then we got to play in a bowl game that they literally had to create on the spot for us, um, in which we, you know, unfortunately lost to Miami of Ohio. But this now gives more teams more exposure. It widens the playoff field, so there's more 
uh, entertainment and there's more teams that are potentially involved for college football fans. It allows, you know, recruitment bases to not sit there and be like, oh, you know, if I want to, you know, make sure I'm playing late in, or excuse me, in January uh, for this college football playoff, I don't have to go to the same four schools, whether it's Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. LSU, Oklahoma, whomever, like there's more chance to, you know, go somewhere else and still be, you know, playoff eligible. So I think it's great for the sport. Um, I can't wait for it to come here in 2026. Uh, by then we'll all be graduated. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how it looks like, but yeah, knock on wood, Tyler, right. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's great for the sport. I'm so excited for it. And yeah, I can't wait. This is one of the bigger announcements that could have happened. And I'm so glad that college football is going in this direction. It kind of came out of the blue, to be honest. Yeah. It's definitely kind of almost like a... Hey, by the way, there's going to be 12 teams in 2026. It wasn't quite a news dump, but it definitely kind of floated under the radar in terms of like how it just kind of sprouted up. But yeah, I mean, shout out to all the great college football reporters who uh, were able to get this job done. But... With that being said, we do got to break down the football that's happening now. We can't worry about 2026. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. We got to focus on right now. So we are going to talk quickly about week one, you know, just kind of our big thoughts about what happened this uh, past week in college football. And then we'll quickly break down week two uh, before we move on to baseball. So my biggest thing or question to y'all is for week one, what was y'all's biggest takeaways in the world of college football? Well, Tyler, we'll start with you. Man, Georgia looks good. <laughs> that was my number one takeaway. Yeah. Just the way they stomped Oregon, it was it was scary. And you can see that there's going to be two Alabamas in one conference because Georgia's at that level where every single year, no matter the player losses, they're back every single year. Um, the talent level that's spewing out of Athens, Georgia, is unreal. Um, for them to go beat a Pac-12 team like that, that was previously touted as like a sleeper pick and might have been pretty good this year for them to do that it really established themselves yeah I like it like it Kevin what was your biggest takeaway obviously yeah Georgia it's hard not to um whenever I talked about um Georgia and Oregon playing each other oh, dude I'm doing two different podcasts I don't remember what I did I think it was on fools on stool so um I said that it was going to be a close matchup. I think I said I yes, it I, was on this one. Yes. Yeah, I said I said it was going to be a close matchup, and that right. we were going to learn a lot about Oregon, or we're going to learn about the dominance of Georgia. Well, we learned about the latter. Um, Georgia is still dominant, even after all those players leaving to the NFL. They're still dominant. They're still here to stay. And kind of like kind of like Tyler said, it's there's like two Alabamas in the SEC right now. Yeah. So we're. Almost all but for certain going to get another Alabama-Georgia rematch. Well, I, I think Ohio State might have something to say without uh, say about that. They did were able to defeat Notre Dame ultimately in an 11-point game. They weren't able to cover the spread. Yeah. But I do think Georgia is no one to be messed with. That's and for I, damn sure. And I do want to ask you a question. Okay. So uh, the number one game that I think a lot of people were really highlighting for competition-wise is Ohio State. Um, Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, Notre Dame. Yeah. So Ohio State won that game twenty-one to ten. Yes. Some cases that be a blowout. Some cases that wouldn't be. Right. What's your takeaway from that? Uh, I was expecting a little bit more from CJ Stroud. Obviously, um, their number one wide receiver might be the number one wide receiver in this next upcoming draft class, uh, Smith uh, Higbia. I apologize if I'm, I'm butchered that name, but the offense overall just didn't look like it clicked in week one. Now it is week one for them, so they will have time to chance to get into a groove, and I do expect C.J. Stroud to improve uh, over the season. But I, 
I, I was a little impressed by Marcus Freeman. Uh, he was the uh, defensive-minded now head coach over at Notre Dame, taking over for Brian Kelly, who's now at LSU, which, by the way, that was— We'll touch on that here. Yeah, in a yeah. minute. But <laughs> um, I was impressed because they came in with a quarterback who was really green, um, hadn't really gotten a lot of reps, and they were able to stand toe-to-toe with Ohio State. I really thought Ohio State was kind of going to mop the floor with them, and their offense just kind of came out flat. Didn't look like they were going to communicate as well, and obviously the uh, they did come out a little bit banged up. Uh, I think Stroud will clean it up. I think Ryan Day is still one of the better offensive minds in the country, and I, I do look forward to them to bounce back uh, throughout the season. I still think they're going to win the Big Ten, be a, a championship contender, but I have no problem with them dropping in the rankings to have Georgia at number two. Um, I mean, Georgia looked like the better team, let's be honest, even if it was against just Oregon. Um, my biggest takeaway, though, Anthony Richardson. Oh, my goodness. The yeah. University of Florida quarterback. That was crazy. They were previously unranked before this past week. They are now uh, 12th. They did jump ahead of Utah, who they previously beated. I had talked about on last week's podcast how Utah was going to be potentially one of my sleeper picks for a Final Four playoff. That got blown out the water very quickly. Um, <laughs> and Anthony Richardson was a big part of that. He is big. He is strong. He can throw the ball all over the field. He is very mobile. He's not afraid to run it. And I think he just became not only on the college football landscape, but he just might have raised some NFL eyebrows as well. Like this kid, I would not be surprised if he's playing on Sunday based on his past performance this weekend. Yeah, no kidding. So Anthony Richardson, 17 to 24, 168. Somebody's probably going to say, well, that's not that much. Well, that's not taking into account that he rushed 11 times for 106 yards and three freaking touchdowns. Yeah, he was definitely. Including that. Yeah. I can't preface this enough. Filthy. Spin yes. move fake throw yep. that I have never seen before. Yeah. I mean it was it was very like NFL that's an NFL throw right there. That is an NFL caliber Sunday throw from Anthony Richardson. And I had I had heard the hype, but I was like, eh, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, it's Florida. It's like they haven't really been really competitive in terms of like the SEC in quite some time now. This kid's gonna make some SEC defensive coordinators sweat, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to watch Florida. And I and I don't think your 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 Utah take is completely out the water. I think that they still have some time. They are still ranked number thirteenth, just behind Florida. Mm-hmm. But um, keeping it in the state of Florida, okay. As you mentioned earlier, that LSU Florida State game. <sighs> I think that's a game that not a lot of people really had marked on their calendars and didn't really tune into until mm-hmm. about halftime or so. Um. Because I remember I told my dad, he was like, is there college football today? And I was like, yeah. He was like, it's Sunday. I was like, well, I said, there's there's LSU, Florida State. And he's like, oh, that's going to be a blowout. And I said, chances oh, are if you maybe if, if your dad asks and he just says, hey, is there football on today? Just say yes. And most of the time you're going to be right. That is true. That is very true. Borderline being it like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you, there is football on. So I think we'll reach a time <laughs> eventually where just some kind of football is going to be. Yeah. On every single day. But anyway, talking about this game, where do where do we even start? Do y'all think now I don't want to jump on the hype train. I don't want to get out early and make myself look like an idiot. Jordan Travis, the quarterback for Florida State. I mean, he kind of looked like he was a he was a he was a guy out there. Yeah. Um Florida State had had really been uh somewhat of an afterthought after the Jameis Winston era. Um, I think Dalvin Cook was on that team, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, when they won it all back in, I want to say it was like the mid-2010s, I want to say 2015. 
But Florida State finally seems like they have their their act together. They've had a lot of issues with transfers, players kind of getting into trouble and everything. And this was a huge win for this program. I know LSU's been kind of on the downswing ever since, you know, their coaching, uh, their magical championship year as well. Um, yeah. Brian Kelly needs to really kind of buckle down here because that was a very sloppy game yeah. from LSU in general. I'm not taking anything away from Florida State because they played ultimately a really great game and they were able to come out with the win. But to me, this is more about LSU losing it than it was about Florida State winning it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, Tyler, what were you, what are your thoughts about the game? Uh, I mean, the game was very shocking because LSU was projected to beat Florida State. And Florida State's now 2-0 with not that difficult of a schedule uh, coming up. I mean, they have Wake Forest, they have Clemson, they have Miami, and then, of course, Florida in the final week uh, and NC State. But LSU, yeah, Brian Kelly... I think it's a little too early to give up on him. Um, like that reporter who said, like, if you want, I'll That's be here oh, on yeah. time. I'm glad you brought that up. That's uh, so tough. I kind of disagree with that. I think that, I mean, it's his first game. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, you are facing a program that in the past 10 years has been very successful. They can rebuild that pretty instantly. Um, so I think it's unfair to jump the gun on him right now. I'm so glad you brought that up because we love whenever we're talking on here to kind of hold, whether it's coaches, players, athletes, whomever, whoever, yeah, accountable. That yeah. reporter was out of line. Correct. Showed up late, called out Brian Kelly in an unprofessional manner. I mean, we are we are hopeful media members in the future, us talking on the podcast right now. That was egregious What of a question. Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, one of the more harder academic Division One programs in the nation was consistently getting double digit win seasons with you know you're trying to recruit kids to play in cold weather when it gets to october in indiana in indiana and with that academic you know standard that notre dame has it's not easy like i understand brian kelly a lot of people were making fun of him with like the videos he's doing and like the accent he was doing yeah, with lsu yeah. and don't get me wrong he deserves some criticism for how he handled that game and i believe he'll write the ship but that reporter was way out of line in terms of how he handled that press conference. I'll even go a step further and just say that I think I couldn't even it was kind of fainted. So I didn't know if it was a male or a female. But to say to call out just straight up call out the coach takes takes some 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 courage, I guess. I, I'll stick with that word. But I mean, because I, I couldn't ever picture myself walking up into a press conference one late. And be like, hey, that's your fault. Yeah. It's your fault that I'm late. Yeah, just a little narcissistic. A little, a little bit. bit. And just a, a unprofessional, bit. too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's... Don't get me wrong. As media members, like, it's okay to be critical of a coach and ask the tough questions. And there's a certain way to do it. But, I mean, when you're walking in late like that, and then you just immediately turn and fire it back at the, you know, head coach at probably, like, the main guy that you're going to want to interview throughout this entire season... That's just, it's just not smart. <laughs> like, it just really isn't smart. I mean, you guys both work for newspaper companies, and, I mean, I know you wouldn't do that ever. I know you both, no. I know your characters no. and everything. Mm -mm. You wouldn't go up to the head coach of this university and just, you know, call him out like that, especially if you were late. It's just hard. It's even hard, in my opinion, to just get a sentence out in general, much less fire <laughs> at the coach right. of the team that you're potentially covering. But even more than that, I think, I think it, I think you're right. I think I think Brian Kelly Brian Kelly ultimately is going to get everything pulled together. I think he can make LSU a worthy team of at least watching. Um, but I'm interested to see what Florida State's going to do. I know you said that they have a pretty easy schedule, Tyler, but I think I think that Clemson game is going to 
really kind of show us what Florida State's about. I mean, I know Clemson's yes. kind of on like a comeback year of a, of a sort. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I think that game is going to be a really good game. But to end off college football week one, this was definitely a crazy game. Yeah, for sure. But we got to take it over to week two because, Kevin, I know there's a game that you've been dying to talk about. Um, I know we're going to kind of end the subject there, so I don't want to, like, jump the gun too quickly on <laughs> talking about that game So because we'll wrap it up. Tyler, outside of Kevin's game that we know he's going to mention, what is your big week two game that you're going to be looking forward to watching this weekend? Um, I mean, Kevin's game is the big one. It is the big uh, one. It is. Um, I mean, with ranked matchups, there's not many this week, but we do have uh, Tennessee and Pittsburgh facing off uh, in Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, so that should be interesting to see how good Pitt's going to be without Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Um, BYU Baylor uh, nine versus twenty one should be a good one. Yeah, I, I agree, especially with uh, BYU getting close to stepping into the Big Twelve. Yep. It's going to be kind of a litmus test to see how they will be in that conference. Similar how to, and again, not trying to uh, <laughs> broach a podcast here, but we talked about it on the Green Guys, UNC versus SMU, and hopefully it goes better for BYU than it did the Mean Green. I agree. Yeah, so, Definitely yeah. so. But, was... Kevin, I think the well, the I'll, world I'll, wants to know. Okay, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But I also, Tyler, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, did you say that Tennessee-Pittsburgh game? Yes, yes, he did. Okay, yeah, I think that's going to be a really good one. I think another game that doesn't necessarily have a lot of competition to it, but I think a game that's really going to kind of be not necessarily interesting to watch but kind of just keep tabs on is that Ohio State-Arkansas State game. I say this because Ohio State beat Notre Dame 21-10. to 10. As you, as you uh, obviously just previously mentioned, Cullen, that you kind of expected C.J. Stroud and that, uh, that Ohio State offense to do a little bit more. So are we going to see Ohio State, who's ranked number three right now in, in AP poll, uh, go against Arkansas State, who's not ranked at all? Are we going to see them go in and blow that team out, or are we going to see another struggling performance? Oh, if I, if I know anything about C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day and that Ohio State program, I would expect a 40-50 burger this week. So I'm that's what I'm definitely looking for. That's what I expect. I picked C.J. Stroud to win the Heisman going into the season. I'm expecting a Heisman-like performance from C.J. Stroud this week but of course i know we've been delaying it but the university of alabama taking on kevin's texas longhorns kevin go in brother <sighs> okay so my first my first complaint that i want to throw out about this by the way colin did make that so good job colin. <laughs> appreciate it um why is this 11 o'clock in the afternoon? Or in the morning, really? Uh, it's got you thrown for a loop here. You don't even know. <laughs> it should be It should be like a mid-afternoon night game. Didn't Saban come out and say, like, hey, like, what the heck, man? Like, we're not, we don't ever play at 11 o'clock in the morning. It's, this is an interesting choice for the college football committee. I, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, college game day is yeah. there. Right. So, it's, I mean, it's getting the spotlight. Like, it's going to get, but right. I think... It's. I'm trying so hard to be optimistic, man. I really am. I swear to God, I'm trying to be so optimistic. But it is Alabama, man. It's Alabama, and Nick Saban. Just say it. Just say it. Nick Saban. We want Bama. Shut bum, up. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Nick Saban came out last year and said that last year was a rebuild year after making it to the um to the to the finals. So. Um, if that's a rebuild year, I don't know what a 
I guess I do know what a successful year looks like for Alabama because it's winning an Addy. Um, I think I would love to see te- I would love to see Texas at least compete. Quinn Ewers did not have that great of a game mm-hmm. for Texas last week. Um, he, d- I mean, they did win. They poured it on uh, to Louisiana Monroe um, as they should, but Quinn Ewers didn't do as ex- as expected in my opinion. That defense was good, and that special teams was good, good. But that's stuff that you do against lower level schools. That's you're not going to be able to do that against higher level, higher echelon schools like Alabama, Georgia, you name it. Um, Texas is really going to have to put their offense out there, and they're really going to have to put their defense out there. One thing the Big Twelve has struggled with a long time, and I've said this before, even with Oklahoma, is defense. Every time Texas and Oklahoma plays, it's high score game because nobody can play. Nobody is has really good defensive players. Um, obviously, Oklahoma probably is going to be a little different this year uh, with Britt Venables taking over. But Texas has got to have a defense if they want to even stand a chance against teams like Alabama. I don't. I can't even predict anything. I just. I hope that Texas can at least put up a fight. I don't want to get fifty bombed. I don't. I don't want to lose by. If we could lose by ten points, I'd be happy. I mean, I didn't want to be born five seven, but here we are. I mean, Texas. There's a very good chance that they give up fifty to Alabama. I know. The fact if, if we could, <laughs> if we give up fifty to Alabama, but we score forty, then I'm happy with it. I guess. Okay, uh, Tyler, do you want to add anything? Yes. Uh, so this game, it's another one full of narratives because the last time they faced off was that big national championship. Since then, both schools have gone in completely inverse directions that was alabama. the colt mccoy sorry i mean it could, yes. no, that's the colt mccoy where he yes. got injured early mm-hmm. yeah. sorry mm-hmm. just to clarify so alabama became the best team in college football texas flew to rock bottom oh um I mean, they a harsh <laughs> rock really? bottom is a little right. harsh i mean for texas standards i mean we're at least under 500 we're at least yes. middle best in the big 12 okay they didn't qualify for bowl games some years for the level of Kansas, the level of recruits that y'all had, I mean, that's that's pretty low for Texas. So, uh, it's a coaching. Struggle. I think they will get fifty bomb. I mean, Quinn Ewers, yeah, he he looked okay. Uh, his biggest play was getting his car back after getting. Got <laughs> that's um, that was that's hilarious. I don't care who you are. That's funny. But it's gonna be eleven o'clock game. The sun's gonna be shining bright. But Texas fans, you better wear black because you're going to a funeral. That's fair. It's gonna be hot, but. You know, it just has to be done because Alabama is going to beat the crap out of the Longhorns. That's fair. I really, because, I mean, I am a Texas fan at heart, um, have been forever. And I follow, you know, Barstool Longhorn. I follow a few different Longhorns accounts, and I see them going out and trashing Alabama. And I'm just like, I really wish you would not do that because (laughs) the fire back is going to be. It's just bulletin board material, man. Texas fans can be so toxic. It's, It's actually so bad. Um I tr- that's why I try to limit my Texas fandom, even if y'all don't think I do. Trust me, Texas Texas fans can be very toxic. Um, I don't know, man. I just hope. For, <laughs> I just hope. I hope we see something competitive. I hope I don't have to turn it off by halftime. Kevin, if, if I got. Makes any sense. I got one question for you. Is Texas back? Uh, <laughs> we're back. <laughs> I think I saw a tweet yesterday. Shout out Sam Ellinger for making yeah. the uh, Colts roster. By the way. Yeah, you know what? If Matt Ryan goes down, you know, bearing the worst, you know, knock on wood. But if anything happens to Matt Ryan, I would love to see Sam Ellinger actually get a shot. He's had nothing but, um, but 
you know, unfortunate circumstances happened since he's gotten to the NFL. But I'm happy that he got that backup spot. And I really think that he could be something in the in the NFL. But that's besides the point. Y'all are trying to make me depressed, so that's fine. What do you um, mean? What do you mean? What are you talking about? I'm just trying to ask if they're bad. I mean, we're just asking general questions here. You're being the Texas Longhorn expert, of course. I think I saw a tweet the other day that, of course, mimicking Texas says we're mid. So that was <laughs> that's awesome. Um, do you want to? You want to maybe switch topics? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. I think we have a lot of other things that we can get to. Okay. Well, and, and you know, this is I, really... think, I think we've beat down on Kevin a little too much today, so we'll give him some love here. <laughs> Tyler, take it over to the Diamond. School us on some baseball knowledge. Break down these division races coming towards the end of the season. And how's the Seattle Mariners going to make it to the playoffs? Please don't bring that up. Oh, oh yes. Please, please, please bring it up. Please. First thing, I th- I, that's the first thing I want to talk about. I mean, they got a pretty good shot. Um, <sighs> but... We'll start off with the divisions. Starting in the American League, um, the Yankees are leading the Tampa Bay Rays by four and a half and uh, Toronto six back. Uh, they have really collapsed. I mean, the first half, we were looking at one of the best teams ever, we thought. And then they have, what, 11 wins since the first day of August. And we're sitting here September 7th. That's really bad. I mean, they, they had a 10, 12-game lead. Four and a half, that's not going to be enough against a team that's been a repeat playoff uh, contender with the Rays. Um, but I think the Yankees will get it together. I mean, losing Jordan Montgomery for a guy who hasn't even touched the field yet was pretty concerning. But I think they're going to finish out that division and end up winning it because Aaron Judge is putting the team on his back and they're just going to let him ride. Um but the Central, I the Guardians are leading it. They have one and a half on the Twins and three on the Chicago White Sox. Uh, the Chicago White Sox have been pretty disappointing this entire season, so I think they're just going to miss the playoffs altogether. But I think the Twins are going to win that division. Uh, they've been better in their last 10 games while Cleveland's been on the other side. And I think they just have more talent than the Guardians. Um, but that division isn't that great. I mean, it's not much to talk about because neither of those teams are going to be a World Series contender for me. Um, the Astros have 10 on the Mariners and 27 on the Angels. Um, they're going to win that division just like the other team in the West uh, is going to do. I mean, they're the runaway favorite for the American League, and I think they're going to take that number one seed, especially because of how the Yankees have fallen. And I think the most interesting division, jumping over to the senior circuit, is the NL East. <sighs> 10 games ahead. That's how how ahead the Mets were at the Braves at one point. When one of the Mets reporters said, it's over, pack it up, the NL East is done. The Braves have shown why they are the world champions. They have gone on a blistering pace to catch up to the Mets. And here they are today, standing tied for first place. Yes, the Mets have the tiebreaker at the moment, but that can change. The Mets have lost three in a row, while the Braves have won six in a row. The Braves are looking like that team which at the beginning of the year, I predicted they'd win the division because who wouldn't? They look fantastic. They have the two top Rookie of the Year candidates that are fighting each other, and they're on the same team. Uh, There's no way they don't win this division, I think. Uh, The NL Central, it was a race for the longest time between the Cardinals and the Brewers, but the Brewers have been losing a lot of games lately while the Cardinals have been turning it up. So the Cardinals are ahead eight and a half games. That's pretty much over with. Um with like 28, 29 games left, depending on which team. Um, 
it's going to be really tough for Milwaukee to even make the playoffs after how they've played this last month. Um, and then the division that's most wrapped up, uh, of course, my Dodgers. They have 19 games on the Padres. Their magic number sits at 7 um, with 28 games to play. They're going to wrap that division up pretty easily. They eliminated the San Francisco Giants last night, and they should be locking up the number one seed in all of baseball, barring a collapse, because they do have 93 wins, while the Astros, who have the second-best record in baseball, have 87. Um, but on a more interesting note, the wild-card races. These are going to be competitive down the stretch. Right now in the American League, the three con- the three leaders are Tampa Bay and Seattle, which each have plus one and a half games. And then the last wild card spot is the Blue Jays at the moment. And the teams after that that really have a shot at even getting that wild card still. Baltimore's three and a half back. The Twins are six back. And the White Sox are seven and a half. Do I think the White Sox will make it? No, I think they're their time's passed. But I think the Twins and Orioles both have a shot if the other teams have a good collapse. But personally... I think the Rays, Mariners, and Jays will finish in playoff spots for the the wild card, and I think the Twins will get in on their division because it's not been great this year. Yes, Baltimore's been great, but they're a really young team. I think they're going to be kept out just like um, the Seattle Mariners did last year. They're going to win a lot of games, turn a lot of heads, but ultimately not be able to finish it off. Um, and then going to the NL again, the Mets... And the Braves are tied technically for the division and the top of the wild card. But with the wild card, they have 10 and a half. It's no secret. They're both going to make it um, to the playoffs one way or another, depending on if they're the number two seed or number four seed. I mean, one's going to win the division. The other one's going to get the number one seed as a wild card. But after them, the Phillies and the Padres are currently tied for the, the second slash third spot with the Brewers sitting three back and the Giants eight and a half back. The Giants are pretty much done. They've looked pretty rough this past month. Um, and I think the Brewers still have a shot at making the playoffs. In fact, I think they're going to etch out the Padres because um, the Padres have six games left against the Dodgers, which they have fared terribly the last two years against them. Um, ever since that one game in April where they had the parade and everything, um, they've been pretty terrible against them and they have to face them off six more times so i think milwaukee's going to squeak their way in because they've played bad this entire month and yet they're only three games out of the wild card um but i think the mets are going to take that number one wild card spot with uh the phillies and brewers filling that out and the Padres are going to etch just miss the playoffs really all right that was a very well done breakdown by our baseball and fill in fill in fool today mr tyler luker uh, got a couple questions here for you mm-hmm. um, before we get over to the award races. So you have been talking about the Atlanta Braves catching the Mets for a long time. I think me and you have actually gone head-to-head on this mm-hmm. um, topic before. And I just want to reiterate your point of why you're so confident in the Braves over the Mets. Again, I understand they're the defending World Series champions. I had them, I think it was second in my power rankings to begin the year. It's is there any way, any chance that you see the Mets being able to hold off this Braves team, or do you really think it's it's a wraps in terms of Atlanta taking that division? Well, they do have a shot. I mean, uh, Max Scherzer did go to the IL um, earlier this week. He's been going to be down for a couple weeks, um, so that's really going to hurt their chances. But they have looked good relatively all season. Um, in fact, the, I make preseason picks every single year, and the, like the past four years, I've said the Mets are going to win that division. 
And I chose this year to, with the Braves because I didn't want to pick them again because they failed me year after year. They're known for this, this September uh, collapse, really. And they're doing it again. But if they can get healthy, um, they can do it. Because right now they have the best one-two punch in baseball with Max Scherzer and DeGrom. Health is an issue with both of those guys nowadays. Um, but they do have a fantastic bullpen. They're great one through nine. I mean, there's barely any weaknesses in that lineup. Because um, even guys that can't hit, like Brandon Nimmo, he's out there robbing home runs every single night. Um, so I think they're talented enough, but I think Atlanta's just better. They're they're younger. They're closer together because that team was developed from the ground while the Mets team was kind of bought through trade and free agency. Um and that's not really a bad way to play baseball. It's just those guys in Atlanta, they grew up together. They've been playing since single-A ball, and they just look like a more coherent team. They lost Freddie Freeman, and Freddie Freeman's been fantastic this year. They replaced him with Matt Olson, who's not been as good, but still great as advertised. And that whole team, they're getting signed to these long contracts to avoid all the arbitration talks. Um, their GM is a genius. Alex Anthopoulos, I think there's no shot they lose this division um, just because they are such a coherent team. This is all, that almost sounds like the plot of a baseball movie. It's like this, you know, team that buys everybody, you know, as the expected favorite gets out to the big lead, and then the guys that band together, you know, the ones that have teamwork and cohesion and chemistry, you know, rise up and end yeah. up winning it all in the end. So very interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah, I mean, this is not going to be a Moneyball 2.0. We all know how that, <laughs> how that finished out, even though the plots are similar. The Braves have money. That's the difference mm -hmm. between these new age big market teams. They're thinking like Moneyball, but they have the resources of the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox. That's what's making these teams so successful. Fair enough. Kevin, you want to ask anything uh, in terms of the division races or wild card for Tyler? Yeah, why have the Yankees sucked? <laughs> why? Yeah. Uh, they've had health issues. I mean, Matt Carpenter's not a guy you think of being like that big guy, but since losing him, they've been pretty bad. But I want to talk about the Joey Gallo curse. <laughs> Baseball is a game of curses. It's very um, true. Billy Go, you name it, uh, with the Red Sox, the Babe Ruth curse. But ever since they traded Joey Gallo, who is terrible with the Yankees, I mean, bottom five hitter in baseball, ever since they traded him, they have been horrible, while the Dodgers have been great. It, it's like they took a complete switch um, into how they've been playing baseball. I mean, the Yankees this last month have been a bottom five team they're not healthy uh they traded away their number three starter for um a guy who hasn't even touched the field um it i don't get how they're running the team i don't think aaron Ruth's doing a great enough job because when you have guys like dj lemayhew um aaron judge and Giancarlo stanton as your one through three you should be leading that division by 10 games you should not be blowing it down the stretch i mean aaron judge is going to be paid so much money this offseason. I mean, he's getting close to breaking Maris's AL record. And they still can't win games without him. And that's really disappointing. Um, I don't like the Yankees, personally. <laughs> but it hurts whenever you see such good talent and they can't win. It reminds me of the Angels, just blowing it year after year. But this time, the Yankees, they looked really good. They were the best team at the break. Mm -hmm. And now they just sailed. Yeah. Um, well, everybody's passed them up. I mean, I've seen some power rankings. They're having them at the eighth best team in baseball, and that's not even unrealistic because they've been playing terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Now, you mentioned that, you know, the Yankees can't seem like they 
or they seems like they can't win without Aaron Judge. Is he your pick for AL MVP if 100%. the season ended today? One hundred percent. I mean, it's him and Shohei, but the thing is, uh, whether you use uh, F WAR or B WAR, Aaron Judge is that paramount. I mean, the guy he's at what fifty four home runs at the moment. Yeah, Shohei's been phenomenal per usual, um, but. I think Aaron Judge has no shot at losing this. He's in the biggest market. He's been the best hitter in baseball. Um, his war is sky high. I mean, he he's far and away the best candidate for MVP. If there was a MVP for all of baseball instead of just two leagues, he'd have it pretty easily. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you want to break down any other awards you want to talk about? Sure. Um, so I think the NL MVP is going to be Paul Goldschmidt. He's been a guy who's flirted with it the last 10 years, really, like, He's been like Joey Votto. It's like, oh, he's top three, but he's never the guy. Um, but this year, I mean, he's he's almost getting triple crown uh, status. I mean, he's leading baseball on average. Um, I think in the NL, he's second in home runs. I think he's like two away from Schwarber. And then with RBIs, he's leading it. Um, I don't think he'll get the triple crown because I think Schwarber's going to hit more home runs than him. And Pete Alonso might pass him in RBIs. But I think he's going to be the MVP of the NL um, just because of how he's been this whole season. Um, and then, of course, Aaron Judge. I think the Cy Young is pretty interesting as well for at least the NL. Uh, it's it's Sandy Alcantara's uh, award to lose just because of how dominant he's been. Um, the guy who's probably second, I mean, it's kind of tough because Tony Gonsolin was that guy, but he's been out this last couple weeks. Um, and he doesn't have a shot at catching him because he goes five innings on average while Sandy goes seven. So I think the Cy Young for the NL is about locked up. Um, the rookie of the year has been very interesting in the AL. Um, not so much the NL because we all know it's between those two guys. But in the AL, you have Julio Rodriguez and you have Adley Rushman. Now, Julio has been the favorite the whole season. And he was actually my preseason pick for AL rookie of the year. But Adley Rushman, he his odds are like plus 500. They should be less than that because he has been amazing. He should be talked about more. It should not be a unanimous vote. I think J-Rod's still going to get it because he's got 30 games on Adley. But he Adley Rushman is looking like the prospect we all expected, the switch-hitting catcher with plus arm, plus fielding. Um, every at-bat he's taking, it's like he's a veteran. Um, so I don't think he'll win it. Uh, I think J-Rod's going to finish it out. But he's turning some heads, Adley Rushman. And Baltimore as a whole, they're building something really special this season. Yeah. Um, but that's it for awards. I mean, the other ones, I don't think they're as interesting as the AO Rookie of the Year, the NL Cy Young, or the MVP races. You want to ask him a question, Kevin, or you want me to? No, you can ask him a question. I mean, I was going to ask him about Baltimore Orioles, but he kind of touched on it. I mean, yeah. I mean I've been kind of writing high on them all year, uh, but I think when it's it's finally kind of getting closer and closer to the to the playoff races to the month of October, so we're we're actually kind of like we might actually see the Baltimore Orioles play <laughs> in the playoffs. And it's kind of kind of crazy it is absolutely especially with uh how rough they started the year and you know that win streak was obviously very huge for them um and they've just been able to carry the momentum um my question to you is is if because the, the season ends and I'm, I'm not sure the exact day but it's either late september early october mm -hmm. if i were to ask you in your opinion 
which award you would think is the most likely to change between now and that date, which one would you have to say it is? Um, man, that's kind of tough. <laughs> uh, I'll put you on the spot there, but. Well, I think the AL Cy Young, because it's okay. kind of up for grabs, because you have Verlander, but then he gets hurt, and he's been leading it the whole year. And then you have Dylan Cease, who has been turning in start after start after start, where he's so dominant that he might have a shot to overtake him and overtake that narrative just because Verlander's been out for a long time. So I think that one's got a pretty good argument. And then, I don't know, maybe the NL MVP, because I think there's a couple guys in baseball that could pass Paul Goldschmidt if he does in September. I don't anticipate it happening, but um, you got his teammate, Nolan Arenado, who's probably a top-five MVP candidate this year. He's been money. Um and then you have the three-headed monster, three monster out in L.A. with Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman. I think those guys have all, all have good shots. Mookie probably having the best shot, having the most home runs in a season in his career. And But I think it's going to stay with Goldschmidt. But I think Cease has a good shot at overtaking Verlander. Thank you very much, Tyler Luker, for all your breakdown on the baseball world. If you want to follow him on social media, he is on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. But to wrap up this baseball segment, it wouldn't be a baseball topic with Tyler Luker without Luker's lock. Tyler, why don't you close us out, my friend? Well, the past two locks haven't been very successful. Uh, <laughs> Easy to break, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. But this one, I feel more confident in. Uh, I think I'll give you two two locks. Ooh, a All double right. special. Mm -hmm. Make so up I, for it. So I think Aaron Judge is winning the MVP. That's a pretty safe pick. Um and then I'll go with the Braves. You know what? I think my they're, they're okay. going to be my lock for the NL because I think the Dodgers are going to be the number one seed, but I think the Braves are going to lock up that division and show that they're the superior team that plays on the coast. Um, so, yeah, the Braves winning the division and Aaron Judge winning MVP. Two for one special. Do you want to take uh, – you don't have to lock it in, but do you want to take a guess on how many home runs Aaron Judge might end with? Um, You know, I think he's going to break it. 62. Okay. Oh, I think he's going to break it. Because he's on pace hitting a home run pretty much every game at this point this last month. It might be tough, but playing in that short porch, I think he's got a good shot. Um, especially because the Yankees are going to need him down the stretch, and he is notably a clutch player. So I think he's got a really good chance at breaking it. Because I think there's 28 games. He's seven away from tying it. I think he's got this in the bag. And Pujols is another interesting one. He's at, what, 695? I really, I really want him to break it, but yeah, it's going to be tough unless they play him every day. But the thing is, he's terrible against right-handed pitching, so I don't think they'll play him every day. So I think he's going to fall short. Okay, so it's going to suck. Man. We got a little, little extra dose of Luker's lock today. Uh, definitely always bringing the baseball knowledge, and we appreciate his contribution as always. But we are going to switch gears over to the track now. Talk a little bit of Formula One, as me and Kevin like to do. Uh, Zanvoort, uh, it's been a pretty much a season that has some, or a, a, tr or a race, excuse me, that summed up the season with Max Verstappen ultimately winning for Red Bull. Uh, looked like Mercedes could have been on the pace, but they just ultimately came up and fell up short. Uh, interesting pit stop strategies for all teams involved with, uh, George Russell coming in second, uh, Charles Leclerc finishing P3. Uh, Kevin, what were your thoughts on the race? Um, Max Verstappen won again, and he's probably not going to stop winning. Um, <laughs> I know we talked about this um, off off air um, a few days ago, but I think it was before the race actually. But 
Max Verstappen is in his prime, and, and there's a good chance that his prime could be better than any driver's prime ever. Yeah. Um, uh, Colin, how many wins is he away from? From, what, uh, Vettel's record? Yes. So I believe he's in the double digits now. Vettel had, it was 13 races that Vettel won back in, I think it was actually 2013, which is kind of ironic. Yeah. But, um, Verstappen's at 10, so... With him having the fastest car, I want to say he's three away from tying it for. I'll, I'll double check, but I think he's three away from tying it and one away from the record. So let me just double check that real quick. But yeah, he's he's on a roll right now, man. Yeah, and it doesn't look like there's gonna be any any slowdown, literally any slowdown to that uh, at all. I think every team is just kind of trying to fend for themselves, trying to see what they can come out of. Uh, come out with um for the rest of the year um it kind of feels like and colin you can kind of correct you can correct me if i'm wrong this is really my first season like really mm -hmm. watching formula one right i kind of expected expectations and intensity to flare up coming out of the summer break mm -hmm. it kind of feels like things are just like okay yeah red bull's gonna win let's move on to next year uh well okay so to to wrap it up earlier I was correct he is on ten wins the record was thirteen set back in thirteen by Sebastian Vettel so he needs f three to tie four to break it um he obviously now has I believe seven races left to complete that but I mean the way he's driving it's it's a very realistic possibility that he'll break the record um but to get back onto the subject uh summer break is a time where teams have an option of really kind of going for it or if they're kind of just throwing in the tank um it seems like what with whatever Ferrari, um, poor Ferrari. Yeah, they just seemed like they were more or less trying to focus on strategy and trying to focus on not making so many in race mistakes. And I mean, Carlos Sainz. I mean, come on, man. How do you not remember that a car has four wheels and only bring three tires to change in his pit stop? One of the longest pit stops, if not the longest pit stop of the season. It's almost thirteen seconds. Yeah, and Red Bull is just a well-oiled machine. I mean, they had a couple of DNFs to start out the beginning of the year, but ever since then, they have just been on fire, consistent, constantly at the front of the field, and Max has delivered, and he's cashed in on pretty much every opportunity that he's got a, you know, decent car, and uh, I would expect that to continue. Mercedes, uh, it seems like there's just going to be certain tracks that Mercedes seems to be more competitive than, than others. Obviously, in Spa, they look like they were not quite on the pace uh, compared to Ferrari and Red Bull, but um, I think Red Bull just overall is the more complete car, um, and we're going to just see them just kind of just more way pull pull away and uh, look to try to claim not only the driver's championship, but the constructors as well. Yeah. And, and I, and I mean, we already kind of touched on Ferrari, but did you also see that their bus broke down on their way yep. to Monza? Yeah. I think it's actually a good transitional point. Cause it's, yeah, we, we do have Monza this week. One of the more historic tracks on the formula one calendar. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how Ferrari uh, in front of their home faithful in front of the Tifosi, as they like to, to call themselves, um, they they're going to be in a for a world of you know just disappointment if you're a Ferrari fan because I don't see any way that Ferrari could compete with Red Bull this weekend um and Mercedes has got a good chance of potentially even keeping them off the podium now that they've seemed to kind of get their act together um they do have they're rocking a new livery this week it's going to be a nice featured yellow um you know tribute to the obviously the Ferrari logo as well um but yeah I I wouldn't expect uh Ferrari to have any chance, barring something unfortunate happening, uh, for them to compete this weekend. Yeah, I kind of in that same boat with you. Uh, now, something that you know more about is 
this new this news that's been going on in 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 Formula One. Yes. So the last time an American driver was competing in F1 was in 2015. It was an Alexander Rossi. He started five races in 2015 for a now defunct Formula One team known as Mar- Marussia, um, and didn't even score points that entire season. Colton Herta uh, is a candidate for an F1 season for AlphaTauri. Um, the Red Bull boss, uh, Helmut Marco, was uh, confirming that if he is able to get everything cleared away with his license, he will be able to re- uh, race for Formula One and uh, AlphaTauri next year. Basically, the way it works is there's a super li- uh, license point system that you have to get a certain amount of points before you're allowed to qualify for Formula One, competing in various circuits. Now, most people, they go through the Formula One minors, whether it's Formula Renault, Formula 3, Formula 2, before they're able to qualify um, for Formula 1. But he is obviously American, so he's driving currently for IndyCar. Um, Super license points are awarded based on final standings in a series, and Herta is just 10th in the IndyCar of the season. Um, They are working on potentially trying to get him an exemption um, because he's currently on 32 points, and he needs 40 to get into Formula 1. And unfortunately, he will not be able, there's no possible chance he'll be able to get enough points by the end of the season to get it the regular way. Um, however, for the growth of the sport, it is potentially huge if an American driver is able to enter the sport with obviously the success of Drivers Survive, you know, the growing American audience. Um, I want to point out, too, that Logan Sargent also is a Williams Academy F1 driver. He currently uh, is in Formula 2 at this moment. So, But I just wanted to bring this up because uh, Colton Hertz has been like the wild card American driver that could potentially enter the sport next season. It's going to be very interesting to see how the FIA rules on this situation. How old is he? He is, I'll have to double check. He's in his early to mid-20s. I know that much. So it's not like he's been racing forever, but he has come out and said that he wants to race in F1, like that's his ultimate goal, and that, you know, he, he unfortunately, because you're born, he's 22, so okay. he, it was early 20s. Because you're when you're born in America, you're not necessarily born into that scene. I mean, obviously, right, yeah, Formula yeah. 1 is very more international, more UK-based. Um but yeah, that, it is the pinnacle of motorsport, so it'll be very interesting to see if they're able to go uh, and get this guy an exemption to get him through. There has been talk of also an American team trying to join Formula One and bringing Col- Colton Hertha over, uh, the Andretti Motorsport team, but that's currently been stalled because they're not try- the other team principals are not, you know, they're pushing back on the potentially having another competition, another team to compete with, so... It's a very big underlying storyline uh, off the track for Formula One right now. Well, if another American team came into the sport, then would they have to add another team to even it to 22 teams? Well, so it's not 22 teams. Or so how many teams is it? I'm so sorry. It's, so it's 10 teams of two drivers apiece. So it's uh, so it's 20, 20 dri- drivers. That's what I got confused. Yeah, so. No, you're good. So, no, I mean, they, they it, you don't have to have an even number of teams. It can be, you know, an odd number because, I mean, they've raced when it, the grid's been like 22, 24 26 i think they have one year that was like 18 or something like that so that's not necessarily the issue i mean it is a nice round number having it 10 teams two drivers per race but no it's 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 really just in terms of politics money and all the other lovely stuff we love to talk about in sports but yeah um yeah this is definitely a story that uh i'm gonna be paying close attention to for sure yeah it could be something i suppose huh yeah um but do you want to wrap it up with a little wnba talk yeah let's uh Tyler, you want to come on and uh, back. you want to join us back uh, back on the podcast? Uh, I know. Every, I feel like every time we talk Formula One, it's just like we're giving the other person just some time to rest. Go go take a nap. <laughs> go use the restroom. Go get yourself a drink. Whatever you need to do. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's talk about some WNBA. Cullen, we're going to let you go ahead and, and start this off. 
Get emotional if you need. <sighs> yeah. Well, look, I, I want to start off with the good because the WNBA is in the conference finals right now. The Chicago Sky and the Connecticut Sun, the Connecticut Sun, excuse me, um, are tied up uh, to a piece with Game Five tomorrow night as well, along with the NFL season. So you might have to split your TV screens for that one. Um, it'll be very interesting to see if uh, Candace Parker can lead the Chicago Sky back to the uh, to the WNBA Finals. So definitely you want to make sure you check out that one. It's been a very very competitive series. Been a lot of back and forth, and we'll see. Um, for the WNBA Game Fives are are everything. So very interesting to see that. But yes, as Kevin alluded to, the Las Vegas Aces defeated the Seattle Storm three to one last night. Uh, Las Vegas ultimately coming with the win, ninety-seven to ninety-two. Sue Bird uh, is is her final game. Her uh, career comes to a close. She is one of the greatest WNBA basketball players of all time. She is a Seattle sports legend. I've talked about her accomplishments all all the time on the podcast. She was the first one that I highlighted back in our first podcast way back in January of uh, this year. Um, and I've highlighted her numerous times throughout the show, so I'm not going to just completely divulge into it again. What I will say is thank you, Sue. Uh, you've been an incredible sports figure and role model, not only to you know young girls and women uh, that are trying to get in basketball, but for women in general in sports and just for you know athletes in general of how to conduct yourself how to consistently be uh, one of the best to do it at your sport and do it at such a high level and with high class. And uh, the WNBA is going to miss you, but we are very grateful for the time that you were here. And, yeah, uh, shout-out to Sue Bird, man. It was a really great career. Yeah. Um, I, what I will say is, um, obviously, I haven't been keeping up with the WNBA as long as I should have. Um, but uh, and what I've recently seen and known um, – Sue Bird is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know she did that that uh, b- that one broadcast. Um, I can't remember who she it did was it with, with. It was the Diana Taurasi. Okay, yeah. The, she did it with Diana Taurasi for, yep. uh, for the women's college finals. And that was absolutely hilarious. So if we could potentially work up a, uh, a Sue Bird TV deal where we could have her as a play-by-play or color commentator or what have you as long as we can keep her around in in the sports world i think that'd be better for everyone yeah um she she knows how to like you said she knows how to conduct herself um high class for a long time showing everybody how it needs to be done um legends in all sports respect her um it sucks to see man yeah no i mean a record 13 all-star appearances four championships it's been her career entire career uh in the city of seattle former number one overall pick um, no doubt about it, future first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, we're going to miss you, Sue. But like I said, I, she's definitely got a career in basketball uh, in whatever she wants to do if she wants it. So definitely very excited. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I know we kind of like, <laughs> it's it's not all bad, though. I mean, I know for me it's going to be a little hard-touching, but Becky Hammond in her first season as head coach of the Las Vegas Aces does advance to the finals. It'll be very interesting to see who she will be taking on. Obviously, as I previously mentioned, Game 5 is tomorrow night uh, along with the kickoff for the NFL season. So make sure you tune into that. But, yeah, uh, the WNBA is playoffs are well in full swing, and they are about to come to their conclusion, uh, is there anything you guys want to say before we get out of here? No, I'm. I mean, it was a good show, boys. Um, yep. I mean, a lot's going on. NFL is about to hit. It's going to hit hard. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is just right, right quick before we get out of here. 
How's everybody's fantasy teams looking? <laughs> I'm in two of my own right now. I'm also in two leagues, but I think my teams are just kind of okay. Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately like everyone feels great after the draft because they feel like they drafted the, you know, best. the best team, the team that's going to go undefeated. They've Their sleepers are better than your sleepers. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, we're about to just... I'm you bigger. Know, I'm bigger football brain than you are. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, can't wait for week one to get started to see, you know, who did come out on top this year and who didn't. So. The highs and lows. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, as I did, I, I before or earlier in the episode, I predicted Derrick Henry to win MVP. I really hope that's true because I have him as my RB one <laughs> for both of my fantasy teams. Oh my, oh my goodness. Uh, so kind of riding high on Derrick Henry to say the absolute least. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, for everybody, everybody's teams, everybody who who's going into this NFL season, we wish you the best. Um, we wish you the best in your fantasy leagues. Hope that you can talk smack to your friends. Um, I know Cullen's playing in a gruesome fantasy league where there's actual punishments. <laughs> so if y'all have punishments out there, that'd be hilarious if y'all could send them send them to us so that we could talk about those because that would definitely be a topic worth talking about. Uh, but yeah, we'll see y'all this. We'll see y'all today, next week when the NFL has officially begun. Looking forward to the last first game of the first week. Yep. And we'll talk about how our uh, fantasy look, how our fantasy teams are looking, and uh, everything else that's going on. But for now, grab a stool and be a fool. Yep. Peace. Peace.